Make Life Delicious, the podcast, is more than the food we eat. It's what else in life that makes us feel, be, and act delicious. We'll have conversations about real life, its messiness, and the things we can't live without. The ups, the downs, and the things we do on the daily to maintain our health, strength, and our balance. We'll talk about the unconventional wisdom and the alternative practices used in raising families, from healing to sex, because life's juicy. We are so excited and so ready to share how we make life delicious every day and how you can too. This is a Soul Fire production. Hello, loves, and welcome back to Make Life Delicious. We are talking about sex again. <laughs> In episode 12, we talked about sex and we shared how and when to start the conversation with your kids, what specific ages, what to talk about at each stage, how to keep the conversation open and build trust with your teens, how open conversation is always the key to keeping your kids feeling like they can trust you, especially when talking about something so intimate and personal like sex. And Pegs has a list of notes in front of me today, which I've decided I think the best way to progress in this sexual conversation is getting comfortable with sex. And this entails not only getting comfortable with yourself, but getting comfortable with sex than with your partner. So starting with yourself Mm -hmm. and then taking the conversation out. So now that we know our boundaries and we've learned with how to talk to kids about it, how to really create those boundaries for ourselves, what we're comfortable with. Now that we have that awareness, how do we get comfortable talking about sex? Well, when you talk about boundaries, Megan, I'm really curious. Like, what do you mean by setting up boundaries for yourself? How do you even know what you're setting yourself up for boundaries? Like, like give me an example for yourself. Well, I'd like to think about, I mean... Everyone that I know, and for myself included, the first sexual experience you have is nerve-wracking, terrifying, exciting, and a mess. Like, it's not, it's like, you'd like to think it was like 16 candles, roses on the bed, and a champagne bubble bath afterwards. It's most likely not the case. (laughs) No, it, it can be quite painful, actually. And the opposite. And so, in that reality of... When sex, when you start getting ready to have sex and as you get more comfortable having sex, it's understanding your boundaries of what does and doesn't feel good, Mm. what you are interested in exploring. And I think the boundaries, like we talked about this in one of our earlier episodes, is that boundaries is what helps you feel safe. And when it comes to sex, I think safety is such an important piece, especially when it comes to really letting yourself fully enjoy the experience and allowing for that big O. (laughs) (laughs) But so much is involved because it also depends on, you know, your relationship, not only with yourself, but what you've seen in life. You know, with today, there's so much out there that can really hijack, I feel like, hijack your feelings around sex. Exactly. The reality, I mean, you think about the pornography industry is huge and Mm -hmm. the amount of porn people are consuming and desensitizing us to the reality of what intimate, lovemaking, passionate, beautiful sex encompasses. 
Exactly. And I love that you use the word lovemaking. I mean, dad and I always would, you know, we wouldn't say, okay, come on, let's go have sex. <laughs> we would say, let's go make love because it, it's such an intimate, you know, when you're in a partnership, it's just such an intimate time and connection. So how did you and dad, I mean, this is your high school sweetheart. So this mm-hmm. is from high school. Do you remember when that time, like how you first started talking about it, you were young, like how did that unfold for you? Now that like we're talking about the awareness around sex, let's talk about like once you start actually having sex and also like making it an enjoyable and beautiful experience. I remember it like it was yesterday. You know, I was young, I was still in high school, but you know, it was exciting. It was, I, I knew I loved daddy so much at that point in my life. And in, you know, hindsight, what's too young, what's just right. It's kind of like, you know, the three bears, you know, kind of a syndrome. Everyone is different. Exactly. The maturity level, everything matters. Why you are actually engaging in sexual relationships. And, you know, we had been dating for a while and it it was like, we talked about it. See, that's the beauty of, I think dad and I always talked about it first. It wasn't like, let, we're just going to go roll in the hay. It was, we talked about it. We really wanted to know, were we ready? We talked about the responsibility of it because back then, you know, I wasn't on birth control. I had never had an experience with anyone else. Dad was my first. And we talked about, you know, what's our plan here? Most people aren't that responsible. It's in the heated of the moment. Pat on the back for pegs. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a little bit crazy. However, when we did finally decide, it was hilarious, you know? But so I guess that's what I'm getting at is that you guys had a lot of conversations leading up to it. And Mm -hmm. again, having conversations about, am I ready? So what I know for me personally, I had a lot of conversations with myself, like thinking about it. I don't necessarily think I was journaling back in the day. I might've had a diary. I I can't remember. You you did. You had diaries. But writing down the old school, the old school journal journaling is the diaries. I'm glad that both men and women now are accepted into the the journaling (laughs) space because it really does help. It's a way of getting to know how you're thinking about something, how you're processing something. And journaling is such a great way to get to know yourself better. And that is the most important thing when it comes to sex, because you're bringing someone else into the mix something that is truly personal, super intimate, very intimidating, especially the first time. And vulnerable. And it's and the first time with any partner. It's a new every time. I mean, I definitely a couple up pegs on this one, but every time <laughs> you go into a new relationship and you enter that part of intimacy with a new partner, unless there's drinks involved, um, you have that, that same like <gasps> butterflies, excitement, is it going to happen? Isn't going to happen? And are we ready to do it? You know, also I've talked a lot about the societal norms we place on, like, even what you said, it's like that Goldilocks method of like, when is the right time to have sex? And mm-hmm. it always comes back to what feels right for you and having that conversation with yourself, whether it's just thinking it or writing it down is the best way of getting to know that. 
Well, and I think that goes back to also being able, if you're young enough, to have someone that you can go and talk to about it, whether it's an older sibling, a best friend, you know, uh, a mentor, you know, you had mentors growing up. And so, you know, if there was someone that you felt comfortable going and talking to, or me, you know, a lot of you would come and talk to me. So it it just depends on um, how comfortable you were during that time of your life. Yes. Getting support, asking questions, getting curious, like what you were doing with dad and really understanding the, the outcomes and what the end results of sex can lead to. (laughs) And so these are all really important things to bring up with yourself because I think, you know, a lot of times, and I know a lot of girlfriends of mine that have difficulty having enjoyable sexual experiences, orgasming. And I think all of that comes from being really self-aware and being really comfortable in the decisions that you're making, especially in regards to sex. Mm. Because with being able to climax in sex, have an orgasm and get to that point, that is probably the most vulnerable spot you'll ever be with another human being. It is letting your guard down so that you can fully surrender to the experience. Oh my gosh. Yes. And there's such an emotional connection. Exactly. I I think that's a big thing too, is that really feeling that love for the partner that you're with and safe. That's the next thing was safe. If you feel safe to let it all go and being so personally connected to your body as a woman, it's, it really is understanding a, how to obtain an orgasm and, you know, really being able to fully experience that incredible, incredible feeling. Yeah. You know, they describe it as an out of body and experience and to be able to get out of your body, you have to feel safe with who you're with to go there. And I just can't stress enough is this having these conversations with your partners. And I know you asked me earlier, Pegs, about boundaries. And I think that's how you can feel safe is by saying, this is what I'm comfortable with and feeling Mm -hmm. safe to Talk about what feels good, feeling safe to talk about what makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable, what you're not ready with yet, or why you might not be comfortable with something because of something you've seen or how it's making you feel and being able to talk about it. Well, and I think also what brings you pleasure. And that's something that, you know, I think is really important because like for me, I think we talked about it in one of the other episodes. Oh, it was in, you know, talking to your kids about it and how I got in touch with placing your hands down there on your vagina really set me off. It was the only part of sex that really set me off. And that was when I later- in a negative way? Negative. It was like, turn off, like, oh my gosh, because it was an emotion from the past of when, um, a trauma, right. It was a trauma. And so once I became aware of the trauma, once I worked with someone to really release that trauma, it was no longer there. And so I was able to regain pleasure, but I was also during the time to say, you know, that doesn't feel good to me. 
I, I don't like that. Yeah. And being okay and vulnerable enough and safe enough to be able to say that's not, that does not bring me pleasure. Because ultimately when you can have these honest conversations with your partner, I mean, you would hope that, that the ideal is that you are with a partner that you want to be having sex with more than just a one night stand and that you can build upon this. I mean, this isn't something that will happen necessarily right off the bat before you have sex. It it might be like, as I've experienced, you have sex and you're kind of like, okay, well, that wasn't my favorite, but this is okay. And you're kind of like replaying your head being like, next time, if there is a next time, this (laughs) is what I would suggest or say. And like, it's also so interesting as a woman, I know it's so... Like you, you never want to hurt the guy's feelings. Mm -hmm. It's so, it's like, how can you enter this conversation? Egos aside, because I will say there, I, I, there was a few partners of mine that as I learned to really harness my voice and use my voice and felt empowered saying what felt good what didn't feel good. You know, it was kind of like the swinging of the pendulum. I was very quiet and not saying anything and really just kind of allowing the experience to happen for me to then when I finally came into my own, and this was probably in my mid twenties, like finally feeling confident, having been with multiple partners, as I said, at this point in my life that I felt confident talking about what I liked and what felt good. And sometimes it was a little mean. It wasn't that nice. It was a little dominant, (laughs) too dominant, I could say so myself. And then kind of like understanding that it doesn't have to be so aggressive and Mm. it can, you can kind of bring it back where you're also being compassionate for the other person and really making it a mutually enjoyable experience. Oh, I like that. Yeah, because, I mean, that goes back to the compassion, both for yourself and for your partner, and how you're able to tune in to not only yourself, but to the actual experience and how you can share it in a very loving way. Totally. I mean, I can remember so many times. It's like any time in a conversation, having a conversation with your romantic partner, a boyfriend, somebody you're dating, whether you're not there yet, like there's moments, I always think it's like, I've had these moments where you're like lying in bed and you're like both like about to fall asleep and you're just sitting there and this like thought is just burning in your brain and you want to say something, but you feel so tongue tied. Like you just can't say it. Like you, like that, that inability to say what you want to say to somebody because of the fear of how they'll take it, how you'll react, how You don't want to offend somebody, but it's meaningful to you. So you're also like nervous with the way that they'll take it. And it's that paralyzed feeling like, it's like this, it's like you're sitting there and you're like, I I, I want to say something, but I can't. And it's like so hard. And I will say the way that I've gotten better doing it as I'm sitting there sweating bullets next to the person that I really care for is just saying it. And there's like, the more that you just practice saying it, the easier it gets. And it's never fully easy, especially if it's something like saying what you want or 
a fantasy you might be feeling ashamed or embarrassed about, or you not know you might not know how somebody's going to take it. But the more that you can talk about your feelings, even outside of the bedroom, the more easily you'll be able to talk about them in the bedroom. Right. But anytime that you're communicating with whatever the situation, it takes the practice. Yeah. It takes the knowing that this is important. And the more you practice, the better you get. Definitely. So how do you keep having good sex? Because <laughs> you you've keep, been married for a long time. Yes. And you guys love each other. Well, oh my gosh, yes. But and you love know, on each other. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> but there's times in your life, um, depending on, you know, the balance in your life, the stress in your life, what's going on in your life. You know, we go through these different stages. And so it's kind of like, you know, when you're having children and the stress of the children and the space to actually be up enough to want to make love is, you know, a huge factor. Being exhausted is a factor. Um, So you take in all these factors and then you kind of say, okay, I'm a sexual human being. And I have certain needs that I feel. I don't know if you feel this, but sometimes I just feel like I need to release this sexual energy. Like I can see it building, you know, it's like, wow, he's like a little uh, pissy or, you know, a little snarky. And I'm like, oh, that is sexual buildup. We have not had sex in a while and we need to, you know, jump our bones or do whatever to help (laughs) us release the sexual energy because we haven't connected in a while. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but, you know, it's this energy that you think it's something else, but really at the end of the day, it's this sexual energy that's causing the rift within the relationship that normally, you know, you, it, it was just like you were in practice mode, but now things get in the way. So would you say that there's ever been a moment, because I think about in my relationships when that, when those, when those lulls, those dry spells, as you might say, come through, Mm -hmm. it's, it's hard to not take it personally, especially if you're the person that's feeling like neglected and to setting the ego aside and how have you navigated that through marriage? That is such a great question because recently I laid in bed and, you know, it's bedtime is a time where you get, you know, your guard gets down, you're vulnerable. Most of the time I'm, I've worked so hard during the day. I'm tired, but I feel dad and I feel, you know, his need and his desires, but there's like nothing there for me. It's almost like I just want to curl up and go to sleep. And I remember Literally, there was one night where I had to communicate. He needed to know, I love you, but I'm so tired and we will make the time to connect. So the moment I released that air, that heaviness of I'm thinking about it too, Mm -hmm. I would really love to make love right now. Um, I can either help you or I want to go to sleep, but being communicative in that moment, that realness of feeling what's being not said, but said, like you can feel the energy that when you can actually express yourself and feel okay about it, then it shifts everything. 
Well, it's coming back to you guys have created a safe space that it's for you to sit there and say, I too am thinking about this. Physically, I'm exhausted. Mm -hmm. I can't. And I think that's a lot of couples. I know, like I talked to girlfriends of mine and sometimes you're just on different schedules. Like what if you Mm -hmm. enjoy having sex at night and your partner likes having sex in the morning? And it's kind of like, how do you navigate finding the time and creating the time? So if that's the case, I know it might sound a little, I mean, I haven't gotten there yet because I I haven't (laughs) been married or have been in a partnership long enough where- Or have had kids running around screaming at you and opening doors. (laughs) But I imagine like creating time, like scheduling it. Like kind of like, it's like any appointment. Well, we do. And and that's what we do. Yeah. So like, you know, when the kids were here, you know, the kids would be like, uh, you know what? Mom and dad are going to go have a quiet time. We're going to take a tub. We're going to maybe do some yoga. And we put a lock on our door. The only lock in the house. Only lock on the house because we've been caught too many times. And it was... (laughs) <laughs> Needless to say, it wasn't very happy or fun or comfortable, but any party, <laughs> it, yeah, it just happens. And so, you know, putting that lock on the door is really important. And, and I think even now with COVID and the pandemic, it's kind of like, you need to have a safe space for you and your partner to go and be, and whether it's alone, having intimacy, making love, whatever that is. And so we would schedule it. And so we would have date nights and whether it was to go out to dinner, to go to do yoga together, come home, you guys are ready for bed. And then we just knew that there were certain days that we were going to be intimate with each other. And and now, you know, we love to call it Sunday fun day. This is a day kids don't come over, you know, unless we're having dinner with them later. It's just our time to feel intimacy, not worry that someone's going to walk in the house because our kids all live close to us, you know. And so it's that time, whatever's right for you guys, to be able to know that once a week, twice a week, however, I mean, I had friends that were daily. I was like, how the heck did you do that every day? You know what I mean? There are, there, there is the, there are those people, but you know, I mean, so it's like whatever it is for you and how it works for you, definitely having the time planned. Well, and I think it's the awareness of your needs and being able to articulate that to your partner or even I think the best way of knowing it for yourself, like I've spent many years single and not in relationships after having sex. And it's like, how do you know what keeps you feeling good? As Peg said, like you can feel the tension and the energy building when you haven't had that sexual release in a while. And instead of people or other interactions or your partner taking it personally and really putting that ego aside. I think so much of sexual vulnerability with a partner is removing the ego and getting rid of your pride. Because if you're going in there and taking everything personally and not thinking about the other partner, is it, it's hard to decipher whether is this a, a me thing or a you thing, but you're going to take it on as yourself. And especially when there's a lack of sex and you're just feeling like not seen, not appreciated. I mean, it goes back to the love languages. Mm. I think knowing what your love language is, is so important. And it's something like my last two boyfriends I've had both brought it up to me. Like I remember my first, my like 
first boyfriend that I ever talked to about it was like a couple, like a five years or so years ago. And he was like, what's your love language? I remember being stunned. Like, what do you mean? What's my love language? I mean, now I feel like it's becoming more talked about, but it's understanding how you give and receive love. Well, and there's a book and the author's name, the love language, right. That's called love languages. And daddy and I actually bought that book and I love that book. And we will um, link that book in the show notes for you guys. Yes. And it's very simple. It's acts of service, quality time, touch, Mm -hmm. gifts, Mm. and words of affirmation. Oh gosh, Meg, you know them also by heart. I love that. Well, I feel it's very important in any relationship. You know, it's like you, I know I have sisters and friends that love receiving gifts that it could be big, small, doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. But that little thought is what they need where I know for me, I need lots of quality time. I -hmm. want one-on-one, no electronics. I want to have a deep, juicy conversation. I want to feel like we caught up. Like that means the world. And if I can get that once, twice a week with a partner. Mm-hmm. S- see you later, sucker. I'm going to go do my thing. You go do your thing. Like I just need to have those moments where we can connect mm. and then we can go about our business. Like that is something that matters to me where, as I also have had partners where words of affirmation are really important. Like I, one of my dear friends in her marriage, she was like, honestly, if I tell my husband, like, wow, you look great. You did such a good job with the kids this morning, getting him ready to school. She's like, I don't have to ask him to take out the trash for a week. All I have to do is compliment him on what he's doing. And it's like, when you learn people's needs, it makes it for that much richer of a relationship and for all of the egos to not be offended. It is so good. And it's so true because it's just like when we talked about astrology, when you get to really know yourself yeah, and by knowing yourself and what you who you are and what makes you shine, then when you plug into something like a love language, I remember when I was reading those two and you know, and you take this test about, you know, well, who are you? What's your love language? You know, I kind of like everything, just give it to me all. I think everybody has a little bit of everything, you know, like you have like your primary ones. Like I said, mine was quality time and then acts of service is how I show my love. I love doing Mm -hmm. nice things for people. And also I love receiving that touch is right there. Yeah. I think those were my two big ones right there was touch. Like I love just being held. Mm -hmm. I also love acts of service, you know, for someone to, you know, because we're such givers and we're giving, giving, giving to have someone just do the dishes. Again, but that giving makes you feel good. That's an awareness of knowing that like that might be your love language of giving, but that might not be your partner's. Your partner's like, okay, but as long, if you're not telling me like I'm doing a good job, doesn't matter. So that's how it relates to when you're actually making love. So, you know, being able to share what makes you feel good so they can hear it because that might be their love language. They need to have reinforcement being told to them like, oh, babe, that was like great. Yeah. It's so interesting in all of our conversations about everything. It always comes back to communication, (laughs) learning how to communicate like is the most important thing. Like, opening up that throat chakra and getting comfortable saying what you need. And like I said, like I've had plenty of experiences where I've sat there and not said what I was thinking and let a situation unfold that left me afterwards, not feeling that great about, or just feeling neglected. And so much of those experiences can be avoided by learning to use your voice and learning how to communicate your needs, especially 
with a partner? Well, and, you know, dad and I get asked so often, what has made your relationship last so long? And whenever we go to a wedding, they'll say, what's the key? And we say, the highest form of love is being able to communicate with your partner. And being able to communicate, I truly do believe comes from being self-aware, knowing your needs. And then from that space, knowing how to share that with somebody and let them in, because Mm -hmm. that's literally what you're doing. You're Mm -hmm. letting someone into your space. You're letting someone into your world to create that beautiful experience. And the more that you can share what that would look like for you and how you would like that to look like and have fun and play and fantasize, it comes from communicating about it. Yeah. Yeah. I just, you know, when you, when you talk about that, I just remember all the fun things that, you know, dad and I would do when we were young. It wouldn't matter where we are, but, you know, we would, you know, if we were on a hike and, and we could have a quickie, or if we were, you know, in the car driving up Tuna Canyon when we were younger or on the beach, you know, at night, wherever it was like, that's like so much fun. Don't lose the fun in your intimacy, in your time spent with your loved one. Especially in more stressful times with or yeah. without kids, with work, you know, life goes through phases and there's always patterns as we've learned with Donna, we love her, our astrology podcast that we just did the other week. When you see the patterns and you can start noticing the cycles of times of the week or the month or with life, you can start being better prepared to handle them and also continuing to have fun and making it super enjoyable. Because like I said, sex is fucking fun. Well, it sure can be when you feel good about yourself. And like, that's what you said too, you know, getting comfortable with sex has a lot to do with also yourself. Like how comfortable are you with your body, your body image? Mm -hmm. You know, how were you treated? How did you, I I don't know if you saw, but I did that story. You took a story of daddy and me and, you know, what did you see when you were growing up? That, lots of hugging and dancing and smooching and all the things. But a lot of people didn't. Exactly. And so- you know, so getting in touch with it and, and, you know, there are things that can help. And one of the things, and we're so excited because we're going to ha- do another episode with Dolly, who is a sexological body worker and a somatic sex therapist. And there are tools for people that have been traumatized, which that's what um, the somatic sex therapist will do to help release emotional traumas, blocks, and past hurts so that you can actually reconnect with your body in a safe, safe way. And then the sexological body work, which actually Daddy and I did, and again, we cannot express how how fun that was to learn your personal pleasure areas. And we learned, and this was fun, and I can't wait for this conversation with Dolly. Women have five areas on your body that give you pleasure and orgasms. And men have more than one. They have two. So when Dolly comes on our show, we're going to really have a great time. Yes. And so (laughs) I think this is pretty much all we have to say about getting comfortable, you know, kind of like boring saying it's communication, but I hope that we shared some tools that are really beneficial for you in 
learning how to get more comfortable talking with your partner, learning how to get more comfortable with yourself and what your needs and what you would like to explore or are interested in or experience with a partner, um, multiple partners. Hey, we're not leaving anything off the table here. You know, like this is where you get to (laughs) discover your deepest desires and it begins with you. And once you know yourself, you can share that with somebody else. So we are so grateful to continue this conversation with you. You know, Pegs, this was like one of the main topics that really got her wanting to start a podcast and these conversations and getting to talk about it. I am learning a lot about my mom and dad. (laughs) (laughs) Not for the faint heart, will I say, (laughs) but it is fun. I mean, I want to learn from you, mom, because Mm. you guys have shown me what a successful 40 some odd year. 42 married, 48, 42, 40, yeah, almost 50 years okay, this year. 41. 42 years of mm-hmm. marriage has looked like, mm. and that includes good sex. So mm. we love you all so much. If you don't subscribe, make sure you subscribe to our podcast, rate and review, share it with your friends. It helps us reach more listeners and to continue to grow and have more fun conversations like this with you. If you have any questions or enjoyed this, and if you do rate and review and subscribe, send us a screenshot to at make life delicious on Instagram or at curry girls kitchen. Follow us along where we share daily. You get to see those cute videos of pegs and Tim dancing. And we look forward to seeing you in the next one. Before we go, we are excited to share with you our friend McLean's podcast, Mother the Mother. I am lucky to call McLean a friend and someone who is a wonderful source of knowledge. The Mother the Mother podcast is an online space for women to gather energetically sister to sister and mother to mother to focus on the power of mothers and offer real life advice and experience of pregnancy, birth, and most importantly, the postpartum shift. Mother the Mother podcast creates a sacred space for healing, educating, and sharing our stories as we journey through womanhood and motherhood together. It is a powerful time in history to be a woman, and as we navigate these changing tides, we can help empower and heal ourselves, exactly what Pegs and I believe. You will hear stories of conception, pregnancy, birth, owning a business, conscious partnership, alternative healing modalities, and so much more. Listen and enjoy to our dear friend and your new friend, Mother the Mother podcast.